electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'd be able to make friends. I'm just trying to make a little money. My job, educate and teach. So call me, 1-800-743-CBC, or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Now, if you scan the market today, you may have detected a shocking bout of rationality where profitable companies that are doing well actually saw their stocks go higher, while companies that are losing money but just have good sales data saw their stocks mutilated. Added it all up, and we had a decent session. Dow gaining 146 points. Most of it came near the end. S&P advancing 0.3%, and the NASDAQ declining 0.26%. But there's one big difference between today's winners and losers. The stocks that perform poorly used to do very well with very simple numbers like they're reporting now. While the stocks that roared had typically been left out in the cold for years doing nothing. Dismissed as fuddy-duddies that simply worth, well, let's say they weren't worth owning at all. So let me give you some examples. For instance, there's an identity verification company we've had on the show for ages It's called Okta. Now, they're the gold standard in identity management for the enterprise. They handle all your login and verification credentials. Everybody knows them. Last night, Okta reported. When the numbers crossed the wire, I said, oh, look at this. Usual strong revenue quarter from these guys. Okta's willing to lose money as long as they can keep generating tremendous revenue growth. That used to be a foolproof game plan. But starting last November, the market has turned against that plan. And if you thought these unprofitable growth stocks were finally getting reprieved, Okta put that thought uh, to a rest today when its stock lost more than a third of its value. Institutional money managers hate unprofitable companies these days, even the ones with fast growth. Whenever they see one, what they do is pretty darn simple. Okta is just so far away from making money that it can't be owned. Too out of style in the new Wall Street fashion show. Yep, Okta's now a pariah, along with hundreds, hundreds of other companies, especially the ubiquitous and in some cases ruinous 
software companies that embrace the same exact strategy, pursuing revenue growth at the cost of profitability. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is full of old-fashioned companies with real earnings and buybacks and dividends, and it's been holding up much better than the other major indices. Same goes for the dividend aristocrats we profiled earlier this week, not to mention most of the stocks we own for the charitable trust, which you can follow by joining the CMEC Investing Club members-only morning meeting at 10.20 a.m. every day, all you need to know. But now, now we're several months into this strange dichotomy between fast-growing companies that are now money and slower-growth companies that are still profitable. Wall Street now, well, let's just say it loves the latter and loathes the former. And you know what? A lot of people still don't get it. There's an incredulous group of CEOs I speak to regularly who simply can't believe their eyes. They still think investors want growth at any cost, that people want to hear about their land and expand tactics, that anyone still cares about their first mover advantage or their top-notch go-to-market strategy with all sorts of new logos. They can't admit to themselves that the only thing investors want to hear right now is actual profits, not non-GAAP adjusted earnings, because that would mean slamming the brakes on the growth strategies that work so well for them until late fall. They don't know anything else other than what the venture capitalists taught them. They don't know how to make money. They think making money is losing money. These executives need to get serious. They have to start finding a way to make money. I feel like I'm sending, you know, what? I ought to send them a copy of Only the Paranoid Survive. By the late, great Andy Grove, the man who built Intel into the powerhouse it used to be. Best business book I've ever read. Grove devotes chapters to the need to make money for shareholders while holding yourself accountable. Grove was a throwback compared to most of these money-losing CEOs who try to judge themselves based on weird forms of earnings reports that are as tortured and superfluous as the novelistic reports we used to get from General Electric in the old bad days. I always thought that Faulkner wrote them. I'm going after this. I'm going over this. Why? Because all of this started changing last November. Now it's really coming to a head. The market has changed its attitude. Now it's to the fore. Profitability is in. Endless losses are out. Makes sense, doesn't it? Like I say, yep, hey, if you're in your household and all you do is lose money, well, I don't know. I like a household that makes money. And last Friday, Fed Chief Jay Powell made it clear that this is the new normal for the foreseeable future. That's another one of the subtexts. There were many from that speech in Jackson Hill. For... Uh, Let's get, some, let's get some points down that you can really, some fine points you'll remember. First, first, there's a practical element because it's become much harder for marginal companies to raise money. All right? The IPO market is frozen. There's little, little demand for secondary offerings where these companies can raise more money, and the bond guys have no patience for any of these outfits. So uh, there simply isn't enough money going around for this legion of unprofitable companies to keep funding themselves. There's no longer a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Hey, we had a rainbow over our house the other day, and from what I could tell, the only thing at the end of it was I-95. Second, these companies all seem to have been taken public by a handful of venture capital firms that were powerful enough to jam them down the throats of corporate, of cooperative investment bankers and willing to be fooled investors. They love, by the way, they're addicted to software companies. Ooh, if it's software, they love it. The venture capitalists were sources of such great wealth that the bankers really couldn't say no, which is why they rubber stamp practically everything that wanted to go public. 
But now these newly public companies are talking about how it's gotten tougher to close deals, or clients are more measured with their spending, or sales cycles have gotten elongated, which translates into disappointing forecasts down the road, and those in turn lead to lower stock prices. And as the shares go down, the employees start leaving because they've all, they're often paid in now underwater stock options. It's a vicious cycle that the Fed actually, yes, wants to occur. They just don't say it out loud. Third, investors simply don't understand what many of these companies even do. Nobody cared when their stocks were going up. But now that they've spent, and they spent months going down, people want to know, did I eat Okta for breakfast? Is that what I had? Did you see some snowflake? It's the summer. How incredible. I mean, that's what they know. That's what they know about these companies, okay? There are too many enterprises offering digital on-ramps that can control your data, then silo, digest, analyze, and monetize it. We, I, I'll tell you what. You know what we're sick of? We're sick of Bob Dylan companies. You know, the ones that aren't looking to block you up, dock you up, rock you up, lock you up, analyze you, categorize you, finalize you, or advertise you. All I really want to do, yeah, baby, is make money with you. All right, I took some liberties with the last one. But this show's about making money, not making friends. Now, there are oddities. Today was still one more day where the price of gasoline went down which means the old oil companies were having a hard time making money. Hey, but it's great for the stock market. As long as the price of crude stays above 80, the dividends of these companies are so big that the oil stocks are hard to take down. At the very least, they don't get hit as hard as you'd expect. But more important, I mean, one of the things we need to see is gasoline coming down, right? If you're the Fed, they'd be winning on that one. We also see the wrath of the U.S. government spilling into the world with semiconductors. Our leaders no longer want China to have access to our best artificial intelligence chips. We don't want the People's Liberation Army using them against us. That crushed the stock of NVIDIA. They're going to take a $400 million hit from these new restrictions. And that's, that's just this quarter. More on that later. And we have plenty of companies that are still dealing with meme stock hangovers. Now, I was thinking, if you want to bet against the memesters because they're just such nice people whom I love so much and can't wait to take out to a ball game, you can go long Best Buy and short Bed Bath & Beyond. Ideally, please, with puts and calls. Could be a great trade that closes out on the Christmas season. And you know what? If, if the memesters win... Overall, though, this market is preparing itself for a J. Powell nuclear winter, kind of like a Chernobyl affair where the cloud coming off the reactor, reactor four to be specific, is one you don't want to be in. And any company that's involved in the cloud <laughs> needs to be decontaminated before you radiates your portfolio. Bottom line, it is an unforgiving time. We're back to the dynamic that defined January through mid-June. So don't be a hero right now, because there's no telling how low some of these unprofitable stocks can go. But be happy that we're finally so oversold that the good stocks are going to start winning. I need to start with Ari in Michigan. Ari! Booyah, Jim! Thanks for taking my Booyah. call. Um, so I'm What's thinking going on? Of opening, yeah, so I'm thinking of opening a position in Exxon, Occidental Petroleum, or Kinder Morgan. And I was wondering what you'd recommend as the best play to get in on uh, the liquefied natural gas trade. Great question. Occidental up too much because Warren Buffett keeps buying it. Exxon's already had a big move. Thank you, David Faber. That leads me with Kinder Morgan because I do believe in pipelines and a lot of guys have downgraded. I think that's a mistake. Let's go to William in Michigan. William. Hi, Jim. Thank you for taking my call. Of course. 
as we start the historically worst month of the year and with inflation on its way down, we know there will be additional rate hikes in the near future. Along with the upcoming holiday season, I would like to get your opinion on Mattel. All right. So I like the stock of Mattel very much. The one thing that I mean, I like the company, the stock has pulled back here. This is your break. It's pulled back just a couple points from 27 to 22. And I say, bye, bye, bye. How about we go to Mario in Illinois? Mario. Jimmy, thanks for taking my call. First time, long time yes. club member. Fantastic. So, What's going on? I was gifted Walgreens a long time ago. Now it's been cut in half. Uh, it's about 12% of my portfolio, so I'm asking, should I let it ride and collect the 5% dividend or scale out of it and use it as a source of funds for something else you may suggest? I want you to stay around and use it as a source of funds. I also want some answers about why it's such an unpleasant experience every time I go to one. And why do I have to wait forever for someone to be able to come over because I want to buy a, Dr- a Gillette razor blade? That's got to stop. The whole idea that you got to buzz to get someone to open a plastic thing so that you can spend $3.82, that doesn't work with me. Right. Remember, this is now an unforgiving market. Don't try to be a hero. But remember, we're now oversold enough that you can buy profitable companies. Now, there is no telling, though, how low the unprofitable companies can go. Oh, man, tonight, a diamond in the rough? Well, that could be Signet Jewelers, right? Parent company of J, of K, I'm sorry, K. K Jewelers, Zales, and Jared plunged today after a pretty disappointing quarter. I don't know. I want to look through this thing by sitting down with the CEO, get some more color of results. Then navigating a volatile market like this can be overwhelming. So tonight, I'm opening the phone lines for a round of MI Diversified to help you prepare your portfolio for any environment. And Motorola has come a long way from making those Razor cell phones everyone used to have. I'm sitting down with the CEO of the new and improved Motorola Solutions to talk about the company's transformation. And a lot of it's got to do with software and public safety. I say I like what I hear. And I want you to stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a -a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash mad money. Just go to indeed.com slash mad money right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash mad money. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Retail stocks have become nightmares. For months, I've been warning you that consumers change. People no longer seem to want to buy stuff. Oh, they want to go out, they want to spend, they want to serve, they want to experience. Uh, experiences they had to put up for ages because of the pandemic. But even I didn't realize it would be this extreme. Today we got the latest piece of bad news from retail from one of our faves. Cindy Jewelers, the parent of Zales, K Jewelers, and Jared, reported disappointing quarter. Stock did plunge at 12%. What's surprising about this is the fact that Cindy had already pre-announced weak results a, a little over three weeks ago. It's just that the stock quickly bounced back from that within days. Now, I do warn you not to buy anything right after a negative pre-announcement because that's rarely the end of the bad news. Think about how many times that's been the case. Sure enough, when Signet reported this morning, the same store sales came in down 8.2%. That was worse than expected. Guidance for the quarter, disappointing. Now, here's where it gets complicated. Signet is one of the best-performing retail stocks until it peaked, along with everything else, last November. After today's beatdown, though, i got to tell you, there's something interesting here, and that's that it sells at five times next year's earnings forecast. They can make the number. It's a steal. But can they? Let's check in with Gina Drosos. She is the turnaround artist, CEO of Signet Jewelers. Ms. Drosos, welcome back to Mad Money. Hi, Jim. Great to be here. Okay, so there's a, a bit of a controversy today about your company. I mean, obviously, you did pre-announce a number, and then you delivered a number I thought was very good. But there are a lot of people who seem to th- seize on things like, that there was a slowdown or that the $500 to $1,000 jewelry have dropped in sales and it's something we should worry about. Could you give the cadence of how things are really going and whether that just happened to be a lull and things are getting stronger? Well, we have seen things pick up in August, Jim, but if I kind of track us back a little bit, we've seen weakness in the market since April kind of timing, uh, even coming in a little bit in March. Uh, Our company has pivoted very quickly, though. Uh, So we use our consumer insights data to understand what customers are interested in, how they think about value. Uh, At the high end of the market, we've tiered up our assortment. We believe we've grown share in accessible luxury. We've seen customers remain very strong in what we would call considered purchases. Uh, We saw bridal up 5% in the quarter, for example. We've stayed very strong on services, which is one of our key strategies. And for the more economically challenged customers, we've really doubled down on the breadth of financial offerings we have now and value engineering our products. So it's a better value to come to Signet uh, than you could get anywhere else. Now, is this still the year of the wedding or is that tailwind uh, dying out as we get further and further away from the vicious part of the pandemic? 
Well, it is definitely still the year of the wedding. We expect 2.5 million weddings this year. That's a 40-year high, uh, so very significant. Um, and what's great about that is that couples usually buy their wedding bands about three months before the wedding. So we, we've really uh, upped our assortment in, in that area, and we've seen great strength there. The other thing that we've done is we've assessed all of the jewelry giving purchases around the wedding. And we now know that couples, when they give gifts to their moms, their bridal party, to each other, 43% of those gifts are jewelry. Uh, it's a $1.9 billion opportunity in the U.S. And that's something that Signet has been going after. Can you uh, refresh our group about uh, what, it, what Blue Nile is going to do now that we're there, the Blue Nile acquisition? Because a lot of people are trying to figure out. I mean, I think Blue Nile was originally um, a, a SPAC, um, and, and that would have valued the business at $900 million. You managed to get it for almost a third of that. So, I mean, to me, I thought you got a great deal. What does it mean to the shareholders? Well, I, I hope shareholders are excited about it as I am. Uh, I see um, I see that it's a great acquisition for us for a couple of reasons. Number one is it gives us a new consumer cohort. Blue Nile customers are younger, more affluent, more diverse than we have in the rest of our portfolio. So a great opportunity there. Number two, they're the pioneer of online uh, engagement rings. Uh, really, they've been around for 20 years, so lots of different ownership structures during that time period. Um, but what we've seen is that during that time, they've built a very strong following, lots of referral business, very strong brand equity. In fact, they have the highest awareness of any online pure play uh, retailer. So we, we really like that. And then the third thing is uh, we've been very successful with the James Allen acquisition, which we made five years ago. Uh, we see a lot of back office synergies between Blue Nile and James Allen, and we're going after those quickly. Jennifer, one thing that confused me from the day that I met you, I liked your, your, the brilliant plan. Uh, you have executed on everything. Uh, this most recent acquisition is, I just think, extraordinary. And yet your stock sells at five times earnings. You make very clear in your conference call, uh, your CFO too, that this is just way too weak. You have a lot of cash on the balance sheet. Can you, uh, when you go to work, eh, don't you sometimes wonder what more can you do? I mean, when I saw the numbers that came out this morning, I turned to my colleagues. I said, well, that's good. I mean, she did the number. It's very exciting. Cash is continuing to build. They're the category leader. Uh, that's what you want. And then I look at the PCP price earnings multiple, and it's at five. And there's something wrong, and I don't know what it is. Well, I continue to think our stock is undervalued. We see a lot of upside potential. Uh, so we're staying focused on a couple of key things. One is consistently delivering annual double-digit margins. I think there's been some overhang or worry uh, that we couldn't do that in more challenged economic times. The second quarter proves that we can. The second is we've stayed focused on our capital allocation priorities. So we um, have continued to invest to grow market share. We're doing that by building what we think are competitive moats of advantage within our business, digital, data, things that we believe that others in the jewelry market can't match. We had, as you know, significant share growth last year. Uh, tough economic times are another opportunity for us to grow share. 
thus our acquisition of Blue Nile and our continued investment of the business. We've really cleaned up uh, our debt. And so we're now at a two times or less uh, you know, ratio. And so I feel very good about that. We've had a number of overhangs, credit, um, you know, a lawsuit that we recently settled. These are gone. So I really do think, Jim, you're right. We've executed on our strategy consistently. We've proven we can deliver operating margin even in a challenging environment. We're growing market share and we're in this for the long term. Cool. So we're just going to keep um, being a stock that can give value to our shareholders. Well, you should keep doing that because you're doing all the right things. And in the end, that always wills out. It always does. That's Shinnit Rosso. She's the CEO of Signet Joys. We've liked it since she came in and we continue to like it. Thank you so much. Great to see you. Thank you. Yeah, buddy, you back here for the break. Coming up. Survive the unknowns. Thrive in any market. Kramer invites you to the game of games. Play Am I Diversified? Next. The spirit of performance defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the all-electric ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. While what powers their cars may change, the energy that makes Acura never will. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system and up to 313-mile range on a single charge and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is everything they said electric could never be. It was built with the driver in mind, just like Acura has been doing since the beginning. We could talk all day, but the only way to experience this electric performance is to drive it yourself. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Whenever we have a volatile market like the one we're in now, people tend to get whipped up into a frenzy. But often this can be one of the best times to reevaluate your portfolio as we do with the charitable trust. Make sure you come out on top when the market eventually steadies itself. That's why we are going to play one of my favorite games, Am I Diversify? It's where you call me, you tell me your top five holdings. I tell you if your portfolio is diversified enough, hey, maybe you need to mix it up a little. So let's go right to it with Ken in South Carolina. Ken, you're first up. What do you got for me? Good evening, Jim. Thank you for having us on Am I Diversified? Booyah to you. The five stocks that we are interested in are U.S. Steel, Canadian Pacific, FedEx, Caterpillar, and Delta Airlines. We really enjoy this show and have learned a lot from it. Well, you're terrific for saying that, but we do have work to do. Don't take it personally. See, the reason why is this. We have Canadian Pacific, or Campac, Delta, and FedEx. They are all all transports. We can't do that. 
Now, I happen to think that FedEx is not having that good a quarter. That's my view. It's a very competitive business. Canadian Pacific, the rails are doing okay. Delta, I'm going to go with Delta. I think that the American people are traveling again, so we're okay with that. Caterpillar, I think that that, that yield is very solid. U.S. Steel, we're going to say no to that. We need Nucor. I know it's a higher price point, but that's okay. We'll take Caterpillar for, for uh, you know, heavy machinery. We'll take Nucor for steel. We'll keep Delta for transports. And then we're going to add two health cares. I'm going to put Eli Lilly in there because I love what they're doing right now with weight drugs. I think it's fantastic. And why not put a tech in that we think has some possibilities? You know what? Let's go. No, I'm changing up everything. Let's go with Starbucks. Here's why. Because Starbucks just got a new CEO today, and I love him, and we want to be in on that one. Okay, next. It's Palco in Michigan. Palco. Hello, Jim Cramer. This is Palco from Michigan with my five biggest holdings of my portfolio. Ford, Apple, Amazon, Wells Fargo, and Devon Energy. Jim Cramer, is my portfolio diversified? Thank you. All right, this young gentleman, Palco, is a subscriber clearly to the, uh, the club. He's a member of the, of the CMC Investing Club. You know how I know that? These are all our stocks, and I love them. Ford, I, you know, he's out there in Michigan, I think. Ford, okay, Jim Farley's doing a great job. $14, I like that. Yield, go, dividend going higher. Uh, Apple, what can I say? You own it, don't trade it. Amazon just bought some more for the Travel Trust. You'd know that if you got the bulletins, if you're a member of the club. Devin, okay, we've got such a big game. We've taken a little bit off, but it still has an incredibly high yield. That's Rick Moncrief. If you remember him, club, he was one of the first people to address us. Wells Fargo's Charlie Scharf. As interest rates go higher on the short end, he's going to make a fortune on your account. We got a bank. We got an oil. We got a retailer slash web services company. We have a great tech company, and we have an auto. And that, my friends, is how you play MI Diversified. All right, now we're going to go clear across south to to Renato in Florida. Renato. Hey, Jim, thank you so much for taking my call. I really appreciate it. Uh, just wanted you to know that I've been uh, watching you since the days of Cudlow and Kramer. Uh, so thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do for all of us out there. Uh, my top five holdings are PepsiCo, Apple, Amazon, Google, and Yum! Brands. Jim, am I diversified? Thanks. How about that? Since Cudlow and Kramer. Hey, now, that's... I, that was not even this century. Isn't that incredible? All right, here we go. Um, all right, PepsiCo. Well, what can I say? It's been the bullpen. I just think that Raymond that, that Raymond LaGuardia is, he is doing such a great job at PepsiCo. I think it's fantastic. Apple own it, don't trade it. Amazon. Just I just lovingly talked about how retail web, the web services is great. Retail's terrific. Yum, very good restaurant chain. I would argue that maybe you should be in McDonald's or the newfound Starbucks with it with the uh, Narasimhan, fantastic leader. And then Alphabet. I wanted to buy some just today. Jeff Marks and I were battling head to head. Do we buy some of this? So we're going to call this a tech company. We'll call this a restaurant. We're going to call this retail. We're going to call this. Um, a Bev, soft drink, so to speak. And Apple is the tech colossus that we love. Are we done? No, we're not. We're going to Hugo in Ohio. Hugo. Hugo. Hello, Jim. It's Hugo the Bear in Columbus, Ohio. A Buckeye booyah to you. And thanks for having me on the show. I want to know if I'm diversified. My five biggest holdings are J.P. Morgan, Lockheed Martin, Brown Foreman, C, S, X, and Lily. Thank you. Wow, the bear. I have to tell you, Hugo's got something going here. 
And let me tell you why he's got something going here, because this represents a portfolio that is defensively enough and diversified that I really like it. Okay, J.P. Morgan, one of the best banks in the world, really inexpensive stock for the first time. He can raise the dividend. That's Jamie Dimon we're speaking about. I think he's doing a good job. Lockheed Martin, that's James uh, Takelet. Lockheed Martin has got a good yield. And in this dangerous world, can you imagine having a better defense company than that? Brown Foreman, well, let me just say something. We drink more when things get tough. That's just the way it is. I, I happen to love, by the way, the, the uh, Jack and Coke that they're doing. I mean, I love it. It's in Mexico right now, but I've tasted it. It's good. Jack and Coke Zero, best, okay? Uh, CXX, a fantastic railroad. Eli Lilly, they've got that weight loss drug I'm talking about, and they are doing stuff for the brain like nobody else is doing. We got drug. We got train. We got liquid. You know, I, okay, you, okay, we have alcohol. Just call it what it is. We have defense. We have a bank. That's, that, that's tour de force. That is a tour de force diversification plan. Now we're going to Lane. Oh, we're going locally. Lane in New York. Lane. A big U.S. Navy CB booyah to the doctor wow. of cremology. This is Lane from Westfield, New York, right in the heart of Buffalo Bills territory. Go Bills. I think we're going to have a great year, by the way. I, th- I feel real, Jim Baby. I think we're going to give your Philadelphia Eagles a little run for their money. But anyway. My stocks where I am diversified is Exxon, Apple, Microsoft, Tractor Supply, and Home Depot. All great stocks. I really like them all. They, right now, I feel the economy is taking a hit on all of them, but I think they're all going to rebound a good stocks, in my opinion. What's your thoughts, Jimmy Baby? All right, so much to unpack here. I just wanted to use that word. I hear it all day. First, thank you for serving the Navy. That is fantastic. Second, if the Bills give the Eagles a run of money, it still means we're in the and uh, we're in the Super Bowl, which is not bad. Third, I have Cook on my team. I'm starting running back, and I like him. Drop single target. Okay, let's go to work. Exxon Mobil is. They're one of the premier oil and gas companies. I didn't really love it until David Faber sat down with them. Tractor Supply, I think it's 1938 is when they opened their first store. It's fantastic. I love it. I got the veterinary aspect, too. Uh, Home Depot, really good quarter. I don't know why the stock keeps going down. Microsoft, a premier tech company in Apple. Yes, you're getting tired of it. I own it. Don't trade it. Oil, retail, but I'm going to distinguish these two. I'm going to say that Home Depot is big box retail for home, and Tractor Supply really is farm. It's farm equipment. Uh, technically for gentlemen farmers like me. And Microsoft, we know, is uh, one of the great technology companies. So I think it's good. Um, I think Sean McDermott, his father, grew up down the road from me, and I've always liked the Bills. Uh, you know what? I don't like them as much in the Super Bowl, though, if it's the Eagles. Now, much more man money head. I'm sitting down with the CEO of Motorola Solutions. What a company that is. Find out if the stock has strong signal despite the market's uncertainty. Then, why the latest out of NVIDIA took me by surprise and what it means for the stock going forward. And I don't know if it's that good. And, of course, all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. You know us. We're always in the hunt for new ideas, especially in a tough market where Hey, frankly, not many things are working out. Tonight, I've got one that we've been admiring from a distance for a long time. It's an older company. It's fallen off the radar in recent years. But, but I, I, that, that doesn't mean we shouldn't focus on it. I'm talking about Motorola Solutions, the descendant of the old Motorola that was synonymous with cell phones before Apple turned the entire industry upside down. Over a decade ago, the old Motorola broke itself up. And since then, 
Motorola Solutions has gradually transformed itself into a very intriguing entity. These days, Motorola Solutions is all about hardware and, more importantly, maybe software for public safety and enterprise security. Think police body cameras, communications equipment for firefighters, two-way radios, video security, and command center software for the enterprise. This has quietly become a fantastic business, which is why the stock's up, get this, nearly 178% over the last five years. It's also held up surprisingly well this year, despite the massive sell-off in all things tech, because it's not really tech. Now, some of that's because Motorola Solutions reported an excellent quarter a little less than a month ago. Sizable top and bottom line beat with management also raising their full year forecast. Plus, they've got a huge backlog, up 19% year over year. And I think their business is pretty well insulated against recession. Do not take it from me. Let's check in with the dynamic Greg Brown, the chairman and CEO of Motorola Solutions. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Brown, welcome to Man Money. Jim, thanks for having me. Pleasure I, to be here. Oh, I get to tell you, every time someone's called, I always say the same thing. It's just, that is some company. Every time, I do, all I see is the stock go higher. The fact is, you have developed a company that is probably the premier health and safety company for, for towns, mm-hmm. for first responders yep. in this country. How did you do it? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, we, div- we broke the company up. We divested of the legacy technology. Right. Cell phones were history. The best part of Motorola is this business. It was right. the jewel in the portfolio, even before the breakup of Motorola, we're number one in land mobile radio communications, 13,000 networks worldwide. Now, you think of that. They're private networks, not Verizon, AT&T, T-Mobile, not cellular. They're private. So you monetize them. You provide services. You upgrade them. You uh, bring new software and new services. And then they all have radios on them, right. police, fire, ambulance. And those radios refresh every seven years. And we're in the first or second inning of a radio refresh here in North America. So New York, Chicago, Las Vegas, L.A., they're Motorola. We also have quietly become the number two provider outside of China, subtract the Chinese providers in all things video security and access control, the number two providers for the Americas. And you mentioned command center software. Right. There's 6,911 centers around the country. We have... 60% of the time, we have a piece of software in there. So we do, in command center software, right. emergency call management, voice and computer activated dispatch, real-time intelligence, and records and evidentiary management. So you think about this ecosystem, Jim, for public safety. Right. These are adjacent markets, integrated workflow, same common sales motion, the Motorola brand. It's an awesome, awesome company. Also. Uh, Dave Cody, you know, Honeywell's my next door neighbor. Sure. It, and I know you're, you're, you're I know Jersey Dave, well. Yeah. He always told me that no one ever, one, skimps on safety and two, spends less on safety. Absolutely. The markets you're in, including, unfortunately, for schools, yeah. are a necessity. Of course. Every year, more and more. I mean, Jim, what we do is a need to have, not a nice to have. And by the way, this is the strongest demand environment I've ever seen. Then you go to the backdrop of North American funding in the $1.9 trillion Biden plan. There's $350 billion for state and local upgrades three years out. There's $170 billion for education. So you think of a half a trillion in the U.S. to oh. do enterprise security and public safety. The demand is the best, record backlog. The funding is the best. And the innovation coming out of this company and the acquisitions we're making there's a lot of room to run. We also heard uh, on your conference call 
we were concerned about uh, supply chain. You are one of the few people improving chip supplies. Your, so your roll costs aren't going up. Well, so interestingly, supply chain, semiconductor supply is incrementally a little bit better. But the Motorola team, the supply chain and finance team, do it. Jim, first class. We're negotiating better rates in the broker market. We're doing real-time product redesign. We're finding substitutable parts. Yes, we're carrying higher inventory, a little bit higher working capital, but that's because demand's so great so we can turn around it and ship and meet exactly what our customers and want. one other thing for real-life people that want to hear this, we're always worried now whether someone's got a gun. Mm-hmm. Weapons detection. Yep, Another exactly. something you guys are just the only guys who really do. Well, so here's the other thing. You think of the businesses we're in, three pillars, three legs to the stool. Land mobile radio, video security, right. command center software. Well, we have video security and a package for schools that does perimeter detection, anomaly detection, appearance search, weapons detection. By the way, in the majority of schools, unfortunately, that have had these incidents, they've had a long gun, a long rifle, not concealed. If you put in our systems and provide the ecosystem for integration, it can A, say there's a pickup truck that doesn't belong. B, there's a person walking with a weapon. It immediately triggers an alarm. It communicates to the radio. It will notify 911 as a part of our software. So, Jim, think about this company, not just public safety. Think about safe schools, safe stadiums, and taking what we do and providing an integrated ecosystem to protect and respond. Who doesn't want you to win? Well, I, we got room to run. The other nice thing is, uh, just over the last six or seven years, our addressable market has quadrupled. Right, right. So we have a $50 billion TAM this year against annualized revenues or plus or minus nine, room to run in every single category. As I'm listening, all I can think of is how do I add Greg Brown's company, CEO of Motorola Solutions, into my charitable trust? This is the kind of company you can own for the long term. You know something, Greg? It's really a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure. Thank you so pleasure much for to see coming you. on. Thank you. They have money back at the break. Coming up, Kramer takes your calls, and the sky is the limit. It's a fast fire lightning round. Next. It is time. It's up the lightning round. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Ski, that's how the lightning comes from Monday. Let's start with Mandy and Marilyn. Mandy! Hi, Jim. Booyah. Thank you for taking my call. This is Mandy from Maryland, as you mentioned. How are you feeling today? Today, it's a great dynamite day. Uh, Above ground, all that stuff. How about you? I'm doing okay. Love your show. Has been Thank watching, you. Watching it for a long time. Is the marathon oil a sell or hold? Please? Well, you know, marathon oil is good, but why not go into these with like a giant dividend? How about Pioneer? Pioneer's got the largest dividend in the, in, the, uh, in the S&P, and that's my one. That's the guy who do that. Scott Sheffield, he knows what he's doing. He's terrific. Thank you for the kind words. Let's go to Carter in California. Carter. Hey, Jim, I was wondering Carter. what your thoughts are on about the fertilizer industry. I know you're not bullish on nitrogen fertilizer so much, but what about phosphorus, ICL group? I'm going to go with you. I think the time is right for that. By the way, I'll throw in a twofer. I think I like deer, too. I think deer works a lot. 
Okay, let's go to now to Matt in Texas. Matt! Mr. Kramer, happy Thursday. How's it going? Oh, it's going well. How about you, Matt? It's doing fantastic. A little rainy out here in Dallas, but we've been pretty dry for a while, so we're stoked. I have a stock here. It's a great CEO who knows how to create value for customers and return it to shareholders. It's been falling for over a year, and if it cuts earnings with our 20%, it still trades around 10 times. Skyward Solutions, what you got? You know what? Uh, we own Qualcomm, the Chapel Trust, which is the investing club. And I got to tell you, I think this group right now, it is so low that if there's any good news at all out of China, coiled spring. Bye, bye, bye. But we need some good news about COVID, and right now we just don't see any. How about we go to Donnie in Florida? Donnie. Hey, Jim. How you doing? I'm doing well, Donnie. How about you? I'm doing good. Thank you. So, look, you brought this EV company to our attention back in early 2021. I built a position knowing this could be longer term, so I'm okay with the pain, but I'm currently down 80% and looking for your help. Uh, you know, I really value your opinion. So what's your updated view on how the Lion Electric Company is progressing? Also, would love to see Mark okay. Bedard back on. The- we did. There were many companies that we liked for a long time until the Fed changed status its strategies. And then when the Fed changed strategies, if they were losing money, they were no longer good. And right now, Lev is one of those that is no longer good. I'm sorry. And that, ladies and gentlemen, the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming up, is this the coming of a Cold War of Commerce? Kramer charts a China strategy. Next. Tomorrow, kick off the trading day with Squawk on the Street. Live from Post 9 at the NYSE. How about Okta? Can I sell you some Okta at 27% off? Sold! Sold to you, down 30%. Right through your bid. I jammed your bid. And I'll sell you MongoDB while I'm at it. Want some MongoDB? It all starts at 9 a.m. Eastern. I always say beware of the front page of the newspaper, not just the business section, because bad news, it can come from anywhere. But with NVIDIA, I just plain didn't see it coming. Last night, the U.S. government came out of left field and cracked down semiconductor companies that sell advanced chips to data centers in China. That's NVIDIA. Now, this has been one of my favorite stocks for years. I even renamed my dog after it. Not that long ago, we sold some NVIDIA stock for the Travel Trust at a 500% gain. It was tough to part with. They're the best there is. But maybe that's what did them in. Turns out NVIDIA's highest-end chips are so great that the U.S. government now treats selling them to China as a national security risk. This new policy affects AMD, too, another stock we own for the Travel Trust, but it's a lot more damaging NVIDIA, which is going to take a $400 million hit this quarter. This is a real catch-22 situation, people. We like NVIDIA because it is the best in the business. But that's the very reason our government's restricting their chip sales to China. No wonder the stock plunged nearly 8% today to a 52-week low. And frankly, you know what? I should have seen it coming. We've got a new Cold War with China. Anyone who thought that uh, Sino-American relations would improve under Biden have been dead wrong. The People's Republic is now the second most powerful country on Earth, and they want to throw their weight around. In particular, they want Taiwan, 
which is recognized by the world as part of China, even as its de facto independent government is an important U.S. ally. And when House Speaker Nancy Pelosi led a congressional delegation to Taiwan last month, our government had to know that was a major provocation to the Chinese. It seriously ratcheted up the tension and caused the Chinese to run war games, meant specifically to illustrate what they could do to Taiwan if they wanted to. At this point, the tension between our government and China, actually, it's higher than it's been, I think, any point since Nixon reset relations 50 years ago. Not quite as bad as the Korean War when General MacArthur wanted to nuke Beijing. But the biggest movie in China this year happens to be about the Korean War. So how could I not have seen this coming? Of course, our government was going to start slapping sanctions on companies for doing business with China, uh, or certainly with entities that could be connected to the Chinese military. It's obvious in respect, in retrospect, even, of course, if NVIDIA didn't think it, no, that it was. Why did I miss it? I think it's pretty simple, actually. I think I missed it because I was too enamored of NVIDIA, too enamored to believe that anything like this could happen. I lacked the imagination, especially because they just reported a how much worse can it get quarter. So I wasn't thinking about a one-two punch, first from gaming and then from China. So now what do you do? I think Jensen Wong, the genius CEO, will bear down and come up with something that can please both the U.S. government and his clients. Uh, by the way, it, it won't happen overnight. And the semiconductor group is so hated that it is going to be tough. If you have to own a chip stock, I'd rather have a position in Marvell Tech, which isn't hurt by this at all. It's come down tremendously. Or AMD, which has relatively less China exposure. To go full circle, though, our government now views China as an enemy in a new Cold War where commerce is front and center. If you're the U.S. government and you just gave a multi-billion dollar handout to American semiconductor companies, you have to show them that they can't enjoy federal largesse while boosting our biggest geopolitical rival. I ignored this. All I can tell you is that if your company's relying on China to make the numbers going forward and their products are even marginally related to national security, then you need to be prepared for an unpleasant surprise, just like NVIDIA got today, unless than a week after they reported a terrible quarter. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you I'll find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you next time. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.